0: Chapter 13, go ahead and take your chairs. And throughout the service, there's been confirmation after confirmation. My wife was talking about uh, love. And even Jose said, uh, uh, we give because we love. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about church relationships. We're coming into the holiday season. And I'm going to focus specifically on love. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 reads like this. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Father, we love you. And we're always careful to give you the honor, the glory, and the praise. I ask the Lord for these next few minutes that you would focus our intention on your word. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would touch each heart, each mind. Minister to them. Let them not be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. So my first question was, what is love? And I I looked that up, and a, a story popped up about a young little girl. Her name was Camille. She was age nine. And they asked Camille, how do you get someone to fall in love with you? And Camille real innocently said, well, you shake your hips and hope for the best. Now it's kind of comical, but she got that from somebody. So I think about what is what is love. You know, love produces broken hearts, goosebumps, loss of appetite, starry eyes, starry eyes. It has inspired some to die and others to kill. Love makes the world go round, while it causes a lot of confusion. Or should I say, misconfusion? Um, so there's, there's conceptions about love, and I think they're wrong ideals of what love is because we are taught, like Camille, um, things that really don't hold any kind of water. But the first thing I know about love, the, that, that love, the first misconception is love is not a feeling. A lot of, a lot of you might think it's an emotion. You know, that knot in your stomach, a certain kind of physical feeling that you have. You know, you get weak kneed when you see them. You go, you get goosebumps or go wild. You're, and some people think love is a feeling, and they're always chasing that feeling, trying to find love. And because some of us think it's, that's all it is, it's, it's a feeling, uh, we even say, we talk about falling into love, falling in love. There's songs. Falling in love. And this statement, when you say that, actually cheapens love. <clears throat> it basically means we either feel emotion or we don't feel emotion. And if we don't feel it, we don't know how to love. Well, love is not a feeling. Another thing, love, and another misconception is love is uncontrollable. Right? Have you heard this? People, they fall in love. They say, I just can't help myself. I love him or her so much. I just just can't help it. Well, young girl, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, if a guy tells you he will die without you, let him. (laughs) Love cannot make your head spin or your knees weak. That one classic song that most describes how misinformed we are about love, what love is. If loving, I'll sing it in tune. Are you ready? It goes, if loving you is wrong. Hello, somebody. I don't want to be right. Right? If being wrong means being without you, I'd rather. Oh, wait a minute. That is a lie from the pit of hell and you'll be singing that tune all the way to the gates of hell and die in sin But that's not, that's not what it's about right love is certainly not uncontrollable if we believe that it is uncontrollable it's just that something happens to us and it's a result because we, we fall into love then it's something we cannot change you can't change something you fall into so, we need a higher quality of love, a higher level. Listen, puppy love will not help you during the dog days of your life. Because it gets hard. Anybody who's been married a little while, they asked Aunt Graham, Bilderly Graham's wife, and they asked her if she'd ever, ever thought of divorce. And she said, Homicide, yes, divorce, never. Because it's, it's rough. Huh? See, two things we, we can do to keep love alive, and this is very, very simple. Love is a matter of choice, there's no emotion to it. Colossians 13 14, Paul is writing, he goes, And to all these qualities add love, which binds all things together in to perfect unity. He said, You have to add it. You choose to love. We choose to love. Paul tells us to add. We do the adding. Somebody doesn't add for you, doesn't teach you how to love. You have to decide, this day or next day, I choose to add love to my life. It's a decision. It's a choice. Second thing it is, love is a matter of conduct. How you act. John thirteen 8, 1 John thirteen eighteen. we little children, let's stop just saying we love. Let us really love them and show it by our actions. See, love is an action word. It's not not a feeling. It's more than than what we say. It's a behavior. Huh? Just like I said earlier, there was a guy who talked to his girl and he goes, Baby, I would die for you. And she said, Oh, you're always telling me that. But you never do it. See, in this passage, John was telling us to back up our love with action, right? Action. So we, we not only need to define love, we need to act like love acts. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. So you have to act like love acts. See, love is alive when it's patient, dying when it's hurried, dead when it cannot wait. See, love is patient. When Paul is writing to the church, he says, be humble, be gentle, be patient. Show love by being tolerant. Hello, someone. Being tolerant of each other. Now, that's for those of you who have been arguing with each other lately. So, no, love is tolerant of each other. We can't make people conform to our image. Everybody's different. We have to accept people just the way they are. Make allowances for another's faults. Why do we do that? Because we love the person. Could you imagine having to, to meet up to your expectation and becoming you so that you would love me? That would be impossible. It would be unfair. Right? See, in relationships, we turn our other cheek. We go the second mile. In relationships, we, we are to be patient with our loved ones. Patience. Oh, my God, not that word. Patience. See, what, what do you do with Patience. Love is patience. Oh, my thing moved. I'm sorry. Love is patient. See, remember when God, this is how it's me all the time. Now, maybe not you, but I had issues when I came to the Lord. Anybody ever have issues when they came to the Lord? I mean, I had deep issues. And for whatever reason, God was patient with me. He he allowed me to go through my issues, and he still worked with me. And now I, I think God is a comedian. I really do, because not only was He patient with me, He actually made me a pastor. I still crack up on that one. I get up every morning, look at myself, and man, God, you are a comedian. You're not only patient; you made me a pastor. That's heavy stuff right there. But God does that. Hmm. The first thing we understand biblically is that love is patient. While you were a sinner, Christ died for you. Well, You know what that means? His patience, because he could have judged you for your sin, but he chose not to. His patience overruled at that moment his judgment. and said, no, I'm going to wait for you. I'm going to wait for you to come to the Lord even though you're up to no good. Now, for those of you who are not up to no good, you don't know what I'm talking about. But love is alive when it cares, dying when it forgets, and dead when it ignores. Not only is it patient, love is kind. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God forgave you. Ephesians four 32. Kindness, that ability to, to care for each other in, in practical details of life. And my wife had a dream, and she goes, this man, and she kept saying it, was just kind. And she had no idea what I was going to speak about. Kindness. See, the hardest part of love for me is kindness. Not because I don't want to be kind. It's because my upbringing never taught what it meant to be kind. We were kind of callous people. Our jokes were harsh. Our humor was hurting. Huh? We thought it was fun to cap and put people down. We thought it was fun to go out there and have a, you know, hey, we had a blasphemy. What would you do last like, night? Oh, we got in a fight. Now, what kind of people call that fun? Just me and Bobby, right, Robbie? was my nephew. We grew up, we, didn't, we, didn't, we were like not taught. Right. So in my upbringing, I didn't understand what it meant to be kind. And then what does God do? Remember, he's a comedian. He has me marry my wife. Now she's like the, the 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 extreme opposite of me. I mean she's like they do things that, that I look, I go, Are you kidding? Because my wife was very kind and she don't think like I think, and she would tell me things uh, like it was like to me, it was like lever to beaver. You know what lever to beaver is, right? It was like, are you kidding me? And at first I thought she was pulling my leg, and I was like, This girl's pulling my leg. Nobody thinks like that. And then when I went to her house, there was all, all her sisters, they all thought the same. Like, oh my God, there's more than one. Hey, I go to Oakland, and this is a nice neighborhood, <clears throat> and I don't know if you guys do this, but my neighborhood, if we come into the drive, we just pull up, and you know how sometimes there's no room in the drive, we just park across the sidewalk? Anybody ever do that? Raise your hand if it's just me. Okay, thank you. We all do that. We just pull up. Okay, well, cool. Well, I'm, I did that, not thinking anything. I wasn't doing anything to be rude. My wife said, you can't do that. I go, do what? You can't park on the sidewalk. I go, I, why, why not? He goes, she goes, what if somebody wants to walk by? They're going to have to walk around your car on the sidewalk. Now, I didn't, not that I was thinking, you know, trying to be rude, but I didn't think that. I looked at her, I go, are you kidding me? And I thought, I'm, I'm thinking, I didn't say it. I look at her like, is she really saying that? And all of a sudden, her sister walked out the door, and she goes, Al, you can't park there. I go, you're kidding me. And so I felt... Okay, I better move. And I moved and I parked, you know, normal, and so people could walk by. But they were kind. There was kindness in them. And to me, I'm like, wow, this is heavy. So I, had to be re, I have to be re uh, uh, retaught what it meant to be kind. So every day I'm learning to be kind and be kind and be kind and be kind. Huh? Again, the way I grew up being kind meant weakness. Because we were bad. We're from the neighborhood, right? You don't look at me. If I I showed kindness, it meant I was weak. See how the devil perverted? So because of that in me, it made it even more difficult to love. And it's all part and parcel. You cannot say, I love, and not be kind. If you love, and you you say you, you can't be kind, then the love that you have defined in your life is not love at all. So you have to change your definition. Because if you ever notice, it's often easier to be kind to a stranger than it is to be kind to the people closest to you, who you love the most. It's sometimes easier to be kind to someone else's children than your own children. Hello. It's sometimes easier to be kind to the neighbor than your own spouse. See, that kind of kindness is putting on a front. That's not kindness. That's all I'll show. If you can't be kind to those near you, everything else is a fraud. Notice Ephesians 4.32. It says kindness and forgiveness are related. Now we're getting deeper. First, to have love, you have to be kind. But kindness and forgiveness are related. Since they are related, if you can't be kind, guess what? There is no forgiveness. So when these things started hitting me right there, all my upbringing started shedding off my, my life, I go, wait a minute, I was taught wrong. I was taught to be destined for hell. Oh. See, the only way that I can have a relationship with anyone is to have forgiveness at the very core of that relationship. That means I forgive you in advance for the things you're going to do to me to hurt me. Now, not, you may not do it, but listen, we're in a world. And whether we like it or not, we will, we're not perfect. We'll make mistakes. But guess what? Every mistake that you ever, will ever make against me, and you may or you may not, perfectly you may not, but some of you may I've already forgiven you. So when it happens, I just walk through it like it didn't even happen. And people say, how do you do that? Because I already forgave them before they burnt me. I, I, I don't know how many times the men's home have robbed me for tools. Compressors, bass guitars, guitars, robbed me, robbed me. And I still let you guys come over to my house. Why? Because I forgave you in advance. Because you know what? That compressor, that tool, is not that much valuable. It's not, not that important compared to your soul. For some of you, oh, they, if they burn me, I'm, I'm going to get them. Oh, okay. So th- then you see your value systems. See, God, not that we want to be dumb. You know, lock up your stuff and watch it. But, but you have to understand, those things are not that important in the scope of eternity. Life and death. Love. Love. See, that relationship where the core is forgiveness, that relationship will grow and develop. Not based on perfection, but a willingness for each person to be forgiving. And listen, if you're married more than a week, you better figure this one out. Because if you can't live in forgiveness and expect them never to hurt you, then you are in la-la land. You better move to L.A. and move into Disneyland. And go kick it with Mickey Mouse because that is not reality. If you're married, listen, you're gonna get hurt. If you're, if you're married, your wife is and it's not gonna do you right. If you're married, your husband's gonna be an idiot. Hello, someone, but be, you gotta get beyond. You gotta forgive in advance because if you build your relationship on forgiveness, you will walk past that, and God will begin to bless you. But what happens? You begin to draw a line. You get hurt, boom, you then you draw a line, ready to fight, and you will end up alone the rest of your life if you don't stop it. Because people don't want to fight. They have to learn to forgive each other. That's got to be the basis of any relationship, not just a marriage, any relationship. Amen? See, when I see how God forgave me, I have the power to forgive someone else. Well, We're talking about love. Love. Because I don't want to be alone. I have to learn to forgive to attract people. When you don't forgive, you repel people. Mother Teresa said this, The biggest disease is the feeling of being unwanted, uncared for, and lonely. See, love is alive when it's secure, dying when it's doubting, dead, when it stops trusting. See, love doesn't envy, it does not boast, it's not proud. 1 Corinthians thirteen fourteen. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. See, envy plus boasting plus pride equals one thing: insecurity. When you have a person like that, the the, the relationship is very insecure. Huh? And security is the key to a relationship. If you show me a good relationship, whether it's a marriage or a friendship, I will show you that at the very heart of their relationship is security. They're secure to each other. But if they're not secure, they don't trust. Whoo, it's hard to love. See, when people when people feel secure, they share their heart. If I'm secure with you and I can tell you anything, I'm secure because I know you got my back. You ain't got to talk about me. Woo, man, that's a great feeling. You're willing to be honest. You're willing to be vulnerable. You're willing to lay it on the line. Why? Because they know the other person has their interests at heart. They're secure. See, now they're building a real love relationship. And let them do how you feel. These are practical areas that we need to establish. In a relationship that lacks security, you can't talk about real issues. You, you have to hold back. You know, because if I really tell them everything, they're going to hold it against me. And you know, ladies, that's your heart. Sometimes, sometimes, not all the time, ladies, ladies have these bionic memories. Men, we, we forget things. We're like, we're very, you know, we're vertical thinkers. We, we, we're, if we're not right in the middle, we don't even think about it. But ladies, we'll have a conversation about something, and it'll trigger another thought. It'll trigger a thought. And all of a sudden that motion that you had back then in 1984, July 5th at 4 o'clock, comes right back to you. And, and, and like the poor guy is like, what I do? What would I do? You know what you did. I, no, I don't. And they begin to list it as if it happened yesterday. And, and you're thinking, I did that? When did I do that? And then, they, you know, 20 years ago. 20 years ago. That's a rough one. Amen. But you have to have to be secure to each other. When you're secure and you know you can say things, and you know it's not going to be held against you in the court of law. <laughs> K- K- Lady, let me tell I'm telling you something. Sometimes men don't want to say something. You know why? Because they know if they say it, you will. Oh, I got evidence, 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 right? I, I got it now. And we're like, I ain't saying nothing. I ain't coughing to nothing. There's no security there. you got to be secure. Juan Carlos Ortiz, he was talking about a circus trapeze performer. And they were talking about the net below him and what it did for him. And and the performer said, you know, obviously it keeps me safe. But he said, that's not really what what it helps me for. Let me tell you what the net really does for me, he says. It makes me a better performer. Ortiz said, what do you mean? It makes you a better performer. He said this. It's very simple. Because there is a net, I feel secure. And because I feel secure, I'm willing to risk more. I'm willing to try an extra turn, an extra twist. I'm willing to try a trick that I would never try because I feel secure. Huh? That security, he says, releases me to reach my potential. That is so good. See, when, when you're in a relationship where they're secure, you are in a relationship that will allow you to reach your potential. And you have great potential. And oftentimes, the reason why you don't reach your potential is because you're in a bad relationship. The wrong relationship. Not based on love. It was based on a feeling. And more in this day and age, it was based on a sexual relationship that happened to create a child. And now you're together. And now you try to figure out what love is. What you had was sex, not love. Now you have to figure out what love is. And that's very difficult. It's a very difficult challenge when when most relationships begin that way. Why? Because how do you focus on each other when all of a sudden you created a new being that you're focusing on? So now you've split your focus, which means you're not focused. And then you have to start developing something. Very hard. Very hard. Why? Because the child grows up and starts saying no, yes, choosing sides, manipulating sides, mom against dad. Why? Because why? The relationship began not in real love. So we have to get understand and begin to develop our love relationship. What is love? See, love is alive when it's giving, dying when it begins to exchange, dead when it's taking. See, love is a giving relationship. God models it better than anyone else because he gave first. To give first means I have to be vulnerable. What happens, and here's here's a thought, what happens if I give and the other person doesn't give back? See, that means you're in a transactional relationship, very difficult, right? What what happens if I take the first step and that other person doesn't take the step towards me? And we're all worried about that, right? We all think like that. See, these two questions lead to fake love. Because if that's what you're waiting for, then you're settling for a counterfeit love. Love doesn't worry about what it gets back. Love just does. And if the other person doesn't, that's to their detriment. But you're operating in love. Right? Will you get hurt? Perhaps. But because people don't want to get hurt, they settle for a counterfeit love. Basically, negotiating and exchanging. What am I saying? I'll do this if you do that. That's an exchange relationship. That's not love. That's, ah, what happens? Because you'll do, do, do. Like, that's why you have problems at home. Because the wife, especially that kid, they're always doing. They're cleaning, they're cooking, they're taking care of the kids, you know. And they're doing, they're working, they're working. And the husband comes home, and what he do? He sits down and watches TV. And the wife said, wait a minute. I did all this. What are you going to do? That, you, that is a sign that you have a counterfeit love because you're, you're in an exchange relationship. Now, don't get mad at me. I'll bring some, I'll bring some peace in a, in a bit. Amen? So, but I think that is a terrible way to go through life. See, I, I've learned this. <clears throat> Everything I do. Now, it took a lot of beatings, a lot of pain, a lot of sorrow, a lot of crying in ministry. But I've learned something, a trick. I don't know if it's a trick, but everything I do, I don't do it for you. No. Everything I do, I do for God. Why? So if, if I bring you in and I give you my heart, I share, and you, hurt, you break my heart, which, which just has happened, you're not breaking my heart. Because the only reason I'm bringing you in, remember, my upbringing is don't be kind, don't trust people, Right? Don't be weak, that's my upbringing. Over here, love says, "Do this. I'm doing it for God, so I don't expect anything back from you. I'm not doing it as an exchange. I'm doing it because God told me to. That's what I'm called to do. So whether you receive it and grow for it, that's not up to me. I hope you'll receive it and grow for him, but if you just take advantage of me, that's OK. Because I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it for God. Thus, what does that mean? So if you take advantage of me, guess what? You're not taking advantage of me. <laughs> you are taking advantage of God. Because all I'm going to give you is what God gives me. Because what I have, my opinion amounts to a hill of beans. My, my thoughts are useless. So people come from me counseling. So I, I can't, I, I, I can't, I'm not a good counselor anyway. You know, I am not. I, I, I got you know, I just want to pray. If you. stop crying. God touch you. You're healed. Get out there and do something for Jesus. You're healed. Was, that's my counseling, right? I'm not really good at that. Huh? That's why I, I, I have Sam around. Sam, talk to these people. Amen? Love. Love. Anybody know how to love here? See, if love is anything, it's a giving relationship. Right? You have to give yourself. Love let me say this before I go. I'm coming in for a landing. And I, I, I don't know where I got this story, but I wrote it down. Love anything, and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to be sure of keeping your heart intact, you must give your heart to no one. To avoid pain, lock your heart up safe in the casket of pride or coffin of your selfishness but in that casket safe dark motionless airless your heart will change it will not be broken but it will become unbreakable impenetrable and irredeemable the only place outside of heaven where you can be safe from all the dangers of love is hell Think about that. If you don't want no pain, that's the only place where you can get it. See, love means you are vulnerable. In fact, when you hurt, that proof that you love. I, I wish I could say and lie to you, but I can't, that, oh, if you love, you'll never get hurt. Oh, if you love, you'll always be happy, you'll smile. You'll be happy. No, no, no. But when you begin to really love, that's when your heart becomes vulnerable. But that's where we have to be. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Do you not think his heart was not broken? Do Do you not think that Jesus' heart was not broken when the very people he loved the most cursed him, his vulnerability matched matched by the power God gave him when he rose from the dead. See, again, love is a lie when it acts its way into feeling, dying when it feels but doesn't act or acts but doesn't feel, dead when it no longer feels or acts. See, actions impact feelings. And there's two types of people. One who feels good before they do something. And one who does something before they feel good. Allow your love to mature and let your actions determine your feelings. Your actions determine your feelings. Your actions, you choose, determine your feelings. Allow your love to mature. See, the reason couples follow people say, I just don't love them no more. Wow. You just don't love no more. That's a, 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 a mind-boggling to me. Mature people understand that actions determine it. Immature people think feelings determine. When we do acts of kindness, those actions pay the way of love. I wish I could say I've always had a great feeling for my wife. All my feelings, just whenever every time I thought of my wife, the birds began to sing. The the, the sky turned blue. No, no, no. Sometimes when I loved her the most is when I didn't want to talk to her. Why? Because at those moments, my emotion is saying, reject her, reject her, reject her, reject her, reject her, reject her, reject her. But my love says no. Don't listen to those emotions. You go there and you hug her. You go there and you talk to her. You do not let that emotion tell you what to do. That is when my love has been the greatest. Not when I gave her flowers. That's cool. That's a feeling though. No, no, no. My emo- When I felt the most rejected, the most hurt, the most disgusted. And I rejected those emotions. So I choose to love you. That's when love matters. As I close, a few lessons I've learned from the Holy Spirit that has taught me as my piano player makes his way. If you're going to love, you have to love people now. Now. People don't wait too long. See, it's not that they don't feel it. It's just that you have to go out there and express it. Do it now. Huh? I know families that haven't expressed love to each other for years. They just don't do it. If you love somebody, tell them today. There's a story, a true story. A bishop of Uganda during the time of Idi Amin. In a church service, he's speaking to his congregation. And knowing this man knew that death was imminent. It was coming upon him through this torturous man. It was coming upon his people. And he looked at them and he said this. If you have somebody you love, tell them quickly. Now. Second thing, love is vulnerable. If you choose to love, if I choose to love, I have to open myself up. Uh, You're not only open to incredible affirmation, but you're also open up to hurt, but you have to be vulnerable. You can go through life stiffening arming people, keeping them away from you all you want, huh? but if you do that, you will end up alone and never knowing love. Huh? Third thing love is powerful. The greatest commandment, Jesus said, is to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. That is the most powerful to love. See, the devil cannot fight love. Now listen, the times when my wife has been most angry with me, I deserved it. I mean, I deserve it. I did everything she accused me of, I did it. Because I'm, I'm, sometimes I do things wrong, I'm not perfect. But I knew one thing, that I'm gonna, I loved her, I made a dumb mistake, I, should, I said words I shouldn't have said, and I'm going to stick to it. Because I know one thing. The devil cannot fight love. can't. So I, I st- nope. And may, she may reject me, but I'm going to still love her. I'm going to still do everything I can. Why? Because sometimes I do some dumb things. And I, and I can honestly say, I've probably done more dumb things than she has. On the dumb scale, I'm way over there. I and mean, She's probably over there. but I choose to love. I'm going to stay vulnerable, and I know love is powerful. Second thing, or fourth thing, love is unconditional. If love is what it should be, it is unconditional. You don't love for something in exchange. Huh? So we need to, to, to love people, or people need to be loved the most when they deserve it the least. if if we wait for people to deserve it wow sometimes they may never meet your expectation then what? you never love them? and you justify your, your reason not to love because they don't deserve it? are you kidding me? love is unconditional we have to love people the most when they deserve it the least that's love It doesn't keep score, it doesn't have a qualifying list. And lastly, the spirit of love makes all people and events special. It's like uh, Robert, when he was talking about the event, it wasn't the event that mattered. The spirit of love made the event special. And when when we were saying that, I heard my concluding statement. It wasn't the event. As we have love, just the fact that we're able to get together, laugh, make fun of people who threw gutter balls, right, and just be together. We had that spirit of love. That love makes all people special. I don't care. I don't know what's been said to you about you. And it may, everything they said, you may deserve it. But I'm going to tell you, as your pastor, you're special. I don't care about your past. I have a past. I don't care what you've done. I've done a lot of dirt. You're special. And I pray that that spirit of love, permeates us because we want the worst to come walk through our doors. And we want them to feel welcomed. We want them to feel that they're home. Why? Because we love them just the way they are. We don't want them to stay that way. But we welcome them in the door. Harry Drummond said, you will find as you look back upon your life, that the moments when you have really lived are the moments when you've done things in the spirit of love. I want every head bowed and every eye.